TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Yes, indeed. It is the Get Right right here on 105.3 The Fan. Reginald Datatula here with you alongside the three-time Hall of Famer Chris Arnold. Got you down. We got Ross Lebensky on the ones and twos for us this evening and you rolling around with us on a Tuesday evening in the Metroplex. Uh, thanks for hanging on out with Tuesday. us. That's right. That's right. You can always get involved with the program a few different ways. You can always text into the truckreg.com text line. That number is 877-881-1053 or you can see our smiling faces by uh, going searching 105.3 The Fan on YouTube or going to twitch.tv slash Dallas Fan cam. See, how you doing this fine evening? Doing good. Man, I'm good. It's supposed to rain and get cold tomorrow. So enjoy this cloudiness, even though it was a nice day. Yeah, man. We had a couple, a really, really warm day yesterday. Kind of a nice middle, kind of warm, Mm -hmm. but, you know, cloudy, not a little little overcast in a way. Uh, But tomorrow, yeah, it will get a little bit chillier. Before we get there, though, we got the forecast is psych. <laughs> it is back it is to, the physical the embodiment of psych in a way but you know if you've lived in Texas long enough you know th- this is yeah. what this is what it does uh it's active evening in DFW Sports your Dallas Mavericks active right now at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse in Cleveland facing off against the Cavs only a few seconds left in the first half there uh it is 60 to 56 in favor of the home team the Cleveland Cavaliers at this moment Luka Doncic doing what he does 27 whole points uh, and by himself at this point. So a lot of things happening out there. We'll keep you up to date with what's happening there. We'll break it down once it's finished. Also, your stars will get going on the second half of a back-to-back later on this evening. I believe puck drops around 8.30 in Denver as they'll face off against the Colorado Avalanche. So a lot of things going on there. We got you till 11. We'll try and have fun with that and more here on your home of the Cowboys and World Series champion Texas Rangers, 105.3 mm-hmm. The Fan. Um, pursuant to that, though, home of the Cowboys, Combine is active. We talked about it yesterday as obviously it is that NFL um, convention in a way. And so we saw a lot of people talk today, including uh, the EVP of pers- player personnel for your Dallas Cowboys. His name is Stephen Jones. He had a lot to say. Dan Quinn talked, obviously, as a, a head coach out there. I saw Dan Campbell. Uh, you just, you know, Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy did not. He is Second he is in, in the DFW. He is steer, here at home because, of course, he's he did not go out there. I, for a second there, I was wondering, or I was thinking, like, I'm not sure what made me uncomfortable about it because I do know that not going out there, I don't think that matters as much for player evaluation. Mm-hmm. But I do wonder for like the you know being around other folks in the league having those conversations. But probably so. But you know what, him when he was at Green Bay, he never had anything to do with the draft. He just coached them up. In fact, he even said that 
when he got hired down here. So he was like surprised they wanted any of his input. So he's like, y'all got this. Sure. I'm going to come back here and try to think up some schemes for, for Dak Prescott. Well, we know the man that does a lot of running stuff when it comes to the star, uh, Stephen Jones, does a lot. He impacts his team a lot. He's obviously the man in line once Jerry Jones is no longer the guy mm-hmm. to be the guy. And with that being the case, it was kind of interesting hearing a lot of his comments out in Indy today. In fact, one of those directly kind of it felt like conflicting with Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones knows how to keep it stirred up. He he admittedly says that and he said earlier in this offseason that this team would be all in, right? Those are the words that we have hung on to and I know there was a lot of people immediately that were like that don't mean nothing Jerry be talking. Now, I understand that, but when it comes down to it, he says something we have to take it with some level of uh real uh, realism or I don't know, we have to take him at his word in some ways. Let's see how much that stands up. This is cut 11 here. This is Stephen Jones responding or talking about the notion of Jerry's all-in comments. I've never known Jerry not to be all-in in any given year. But, uh, uh, you know, you, you know, certainly, uh, you know, we've got a great, I think, a great team put together. Uh, you, know, I think, you know, the last three years, uh, won a lot of football games, I think uh, 36. And, uh, you know, certainly uh, where we have to improve is the postseason. We're going to get the right kind of guys who step up and make big plays in the postseason. uh, It's been a challenge in terms of our success there, and uh, that's where we have to improve. So, yeah, that felt like it very immediately made uh, cut any level of significance out of what what I think a lot of people already looked at as a largely insignificant comment from Jerry Jones, but there was maybe – this idea that possibly this meant that the Cowboys understood the severity of the situation, the severity of the ways in which the fan base felt, and maybe that they would shift up something, somehow uh, the way that they go about certain some things this offseason. And it felt like with Stephen Jones, that sounded very much status quo, like everything remains the same. That's exactly what it was. He was mm-hmm. telling y'all the truth because here's the deal. He did not lie. If people think Jerry lies and Jerry says he's all in, he doesn't do anything. No, Jerry has always been all in. And then the last 15 years, Stephen said, no, nah, you're not all in. We're not making them moves. Stephen has been the one that's conservative. Steve's the one that when Jerry wants to do something big, Stephen talks him out of it. It was it, The stories are, I mean, they're legendary. I mean, the biggest one of all was draft day, Johnny Manziel. Jerry wanted Johnny Manziel. And Stephen said, no, no, we're not. We ain't drafting no Johnny Manziel. We're going to take the best player on the board. His name is Zach Martin. And basically from that point on, Steven has been the last one to decide what they do. Jerry gets the input. Jerry wants to do something. Jerry used to want to, I mean, Jerry used to throw money at free agent, backup offensive linemen like it was going out of style. It's like, they're backups, Jerry. But he was still throwing crazy money at them. Steven said, we ain't doing that no more. In yeah. fact, D-Ware, we're not even going to keep you. We will we'll match it if it's decent. We'll let you. And then I'll be damned if the Denver Broncos didn't give him what he made the year before. And Steven said, it's too steep for us. D-Ware, good luck out there. Got him a Super Bowl ring. Yeah. So, again, Jerry ain't lying when he says we're all in. That's the way he feels. Steven always says, yeah, I got this. Yeah, but ultimately, I think, beer. I think what we're talking about is maybe less about how the individual feels, but how what the outcome ends up being, what it looks well, like. Well, that's what I was saying team. in Crosstalk you know. about how last year they shocked the world because Stephen has been notoriously conservative. We are a draft and development team. That's what they would say for years, and that's what Stephen would lean on, and it would drive me crazy because when you team build, and team building is a sport, is a sport 
you want to use everything in your bag. You want to use drafting. You want to use free agency. You want to use trades. You want to use all those things. But Stephen Jones said, nope, we're drafting development. And then last year, they shockingly traded for Brandon Cooks. They shockingly signed free agents to Stephon Gilmore. They shockingly, you know, did some things that nobody expected them to do. I was like, wait a minute. What is going on with the Dallas Cowboys? And again, they did everything but make a trade at the trade deadline, which screwed it all in, screwed it all up and made me realize they're not all in. That was last year. Yeah. Um, and just to be clear, they did also make a trade for Stephon Gilmore in that instance. But yeah, someone on the mm-hmm. tr- truckwreck.com text line from the 469 asked, do you think Stephen Jones possibly is telling the truth or is just trying to not show desperation so that any moves that they try and make, they don't overpay as much? And I look both because it burned it with Zeke. With Bernard with Zeke, he's on the mm-hmm. at the combine on the bus, and at that time, uh, somebody asked Stephen, uh, "Where you gonna pay Zeke?" He said, "Are you gonna give him a Todd Gurley kind of contract?" Mm-hmm. And Stephen said, "Todd Gurley is, is the, the floor. floor." Yeah. And Rocky Arsenal, Zeke's agent, said, "Oh, we gonna hold you bet. to that." <laughs> so <laughs> bet, bet. And right? if you don't believe yeah. us, we taking Zeke's talents to Cabo, and that's what happened. And then the Cowboys capitulated and gave him the money. Yeah, I think the, so. Stephen had learned a lesson. Well, you you've got to hope so because I think the hesitation I know for me and I'm sure for a lot of people listening is that okay that 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 is a possibility technically, but I don't know how much that fits with the mo that's been established for this organization, especially with Stephen Jones, is you know serving a large portion of the decision making factor. How about this cut nine? See if this folds mm-hmm. in at all. Where he was talk, talking about the idea of wanting contract extensions for Micah Parsons, CeeDee Lamb, and Dak Prescott. You get to do everything you want to do with the salary cap. I don't think anything does. But, uh, you know, we're certainly going to be able to, uh, you know, go out and go to work and, and, and get the things done that we feel like we need to get done to be successful. Do, do you want to do those deals this offseason? Yeah, we're not Like I said, won't expound on any details, timing, amounts. No, no, not timing, but you said you wanted to do about three of them. I'm day. not going to say when. So he, he tried to be a little cagey there and and not giving a timeline. Does that give you a little bit more hope that maybe Stephen Jones has in, in fact learned his lesson all the way around on uh, being a little too forthcoming in the media? Again, mm-hmm. Stephen Jones learned his lesson and he's going to try to parse his words and play games and play touche. And you already said this last night. For those who missed it, Reg accurately. Describe this time of the year as lion season. It because is. Because it is. Yeah. Jerry, like uh, Jerry Jones, Jim Johnson used to say, people are playing poker. If you believe what they're saying right now about who they're going to draft, you're falling for it. Okay. Um, there's more, tons of things that were said during the course of this. Let's stick with some Stephen Jones. As he seems like, uh, tell me if there's anything to be read out of this, because it feels like all we're doing is like reading between the lines mm-hmm. and trying to suss out what is meant. This is Stephen Jones talking about the idea of Leighton Van Der Esch. No, we'll just uh, let uh, you know. Lake will speak to that. It's certainly, uh, you know, an injury issue with him. Uh, you know that he's getting his hands around and let him speak to that. Do you feel like there's any level of certainty there, or do you feel any better about the idea that Leighton Van Der Esch returns? Because that felt to me very much like a, yeah, I don't know about that one. If, if mm-hmm. he might, he might be letting us know that he's no longer playing football soon. No, he's not gonna play playing. If you remember the medical report, it doesn't seem like. He's it's a it's a damn shame. He's a talented player, but he had a history of getting injured, 
And this latest injury he had this season is career-threatening. So I, I cannot imagine him coming back. And so that that would put even more of an onus on this team to be aggressive in the way that they add to that linebacker position because it was clearly a need. Even, I mean, b- before he got hurt, really, they were adding to it, drafting to Marvion Overshone out of Texas. But, yeah, it's going to need to get even more. Uh, there, there's uh, an increased uh, need in that position, especially because he was he was a pretty much a um, foundational piece when it came to the spine of your defense, having that linebacker there. And so you're definitely he going to need to. He was truly missed. In fact, yeah. that's when uh, Dan Quinn started having the hybrid safety linebackers that were too small, and that's why running teams ran all over them. Another one of those instances is defensive tackle. Right, like the, that's oh, yeah. part of that spot in that defense, mm-hmm. and you need need the strength of defensive tackle. They inv- they invested very high capital with their first round pick taking Mozzie Smith. Not an impressive first year for him. Not saying anything nope. going uh, like further than that. However, Stephen Jones did try and speak about how the organization feels about Mozzie Smith. This is cut seven. We have nothing but confidence in Mozzie. I mean, I think it was a transition for him that he was trying to get his hands around, you know, the technique and the way he played in Michigan versus what, uh, you know, Dan was trying to incorporate in his game. Uh, so I think Mozzie can take a big jump in terms of this second year with him. He's got all the right uh, uh, skill sets and all the right intangibles to go out there and, and get the job done. And we believe uh, he's going to uh, make a big jump here in the second year. What we watched was on-the-job training. I actually like Mozzie Smith. I'm, I have no idea how good he's going to be. I don't think he's going to be the greatest thing in the world. I just think that he did not know what he was doing in the NFL last year. We were watching on-the-job training. And, but, again, I learned from what was the wide receiver that was in the, the neutral zone for the green uh, and, the, and the Costa Cowboys the Packers game, Jaden Hardy. Not Jaden Hardy. Uh, Tolbert. Jalen Tolbert. Jalen Tolbert. Jalen Tolbert was decent but last the year his rookie year he didn't know what the hell he was doing that was on the job training yeah I think the one thing that gets me uh thinking about it is the idea of how slow off the ball Mozzie Smith has been and that's been something that I know that uh Bobby and Bobby Belt uh Brian Broaddus they do the love of the star podcast mm-hmm. you can find that wherever you find your podcasts uh but I was listening to one of their episodes recently, and they were talking about how it feels like a lot of Mich- these Michigan defensive linemen, it feels like maybe that's like a technique that's kind of taught is, you know, being slower off the ball. I don't know exactly why that would be, maybe to avoid penalties or those types of things. But you've seen, it seems like, of late, uh, defensive linemen that come from Michigan being slow off of the football, off of the snap. And that's that's going to be something that I don't even know how long or if you can kind of train that out of him or what have you. But that needs to come around. Like, and so I, maybe I give him. A, I mean, I'm obviously going to have to give him a little bit of like grace in that regard. That that is something that he came in with. It was very evident that he he had that with him that he was working off of. But, man, the, even the other things that you anticipate and you hope for out of defensive tackle did not really show up in that way. But I guess you have to trust in some way the traits that you saw in the, the, the team now that you have uh, Zagnina. I, for, I forget per, the correct name, way to say uh, Mike's name, the new defensive line coach, mm-hmm. and obviously Mike Zimmer, and hope that those guys can help push him and further towards. Of course, Greg Ellis absolutely is the assistant defensive line coach. Uh, those guys can help push him towards being a productive, um, productive defensive lineman for you. Um, I, I, I imagine that you can't say anything other than we have a lot of belief in Mozzie Smith at this point. Incomplete. That's all. Like I said, you're watching on job training, and 
I'm not calling him Taco Charleston. I'm not going to go there. A lot of people want to do that, jump to a conclusion. I'm going to say like this. He's got tremendous strength. It's almost Larry Allen-ish. That's all they've talked about. And you, for the position he plays, that's one of the things you need. His hesitation, yeah, there's a tendency, it seems, with those Michigan players, but also maybe it's just that him, he was just frozen trying to figure out what to do on a job training. Maybe so. And so uh, I, I think you continue to hope that it gets it gets better for him, that he gets a better handle of how to be an NFL pro because that's, that's I mean, you draft a first-round pick, you anticipate them being an everyday kind of yes, contributor or first uh, immediate contributor in some uh-huh. ways. And it would be a problem if after a couple of years you're not getting real contribution from your first-round pick. Uh, real quick before we go, you mentioned Larry Allen, and that was a man whose name came up over the course of the conversation the media had with Stephen Jones at the Combine earlier today. Uh, I'm reading this from Michael Gelkin's Twitter where he quoted uh, Stephen Jones as saying, uh, regarding Tyler Smith and if he you know, preferred that he stayed at uh, left guard, rather. He said, quote, that remains to be seen. It's starting to feel like Larry Allen all over again. He mm-hmm. said and he went further yep. to talk about how, yep. you know, he can dominate that guard or tackle. Quote, his versatility certainly brings options to the table in terms of how we look at his this team moving forward. Close quote. And, I mean, he clearly has been very good at left guard. It seemed like they drafted him to be the left tackle of the Correct. future. But, like, if they feel so strongly about him left guard that they're going to invoke Larry Allen, is that going to does that give you maybe some feeling that they're content with leaving him at left guard and just going and finding another left tackle uh, for the future, obviously understanding that maybe they go with Tyron Smith this year or what have you. What you do is you let Tyron Smith retire at some point. Now, I'm not saying this summer. I'm not talking about – in other words, you let Tyron play left guard, left tackle till he retires. And then at the same time, you invest in a left tackle in the draft. You maybe, you know, and hope that guy turns out to be good, but you don't, like, I wouldn't say spend a first-round pick on a left tackle. Because I don't think there's going to be one available that late in the draft. Uh, there's it's a it's a strong uh, tackle draft. Well, get them. And then what the thing is is that what Stephen is just saying is I'm not going to slot him anywhere yet. I and it might be a, a Larry Allen situation where guess what we found us a find mm-hmm. at left guard. It's kind of like when they drafted Zach Martin. He could have said Zach Martin. Zach Martin was a right was not a right guard when they drafted him. Right. So you can go, we can play that game over and over again. Sure. So I I'll, I never. Anytime you ask a, it's like a high game. Anytime reporters try to nail somebody down and say, "Well, so is is Tyler Smith going to be your left guard now?" It's the spring. This is only his second year. We haven't even re-signed Tyron yet. It's all theoreticals at this point. But at the same time, you haven't even thought about. This is February. I saw somebody actually saying, "Well, you said they haven't thought about it." Stephen Jones makes it very clear that player accusation is a three three hundred sixty five day a year job, and doesn't he? And the sun shines too every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> Again, these are all theoreticals right now because team building is a sport. There was a a, a, a correspondent from Chicago wondering about the future, uh, who the who the Bears are going to pick with a first round pick in February. That's right. Don't get me wrong; it could come down to the day of the draft before they decide what they're going to do. You follow what I'm saying? Sure. But in the meantime, and she was like, the, the clock is ticking. I'm like, it's February. It's only February. But people are like chomping at the bit. Well, And I, nothing means anything right now because what did you say last night? It's line season. Thank you. It is line season. But you try, you try and see if you can parse out a little bit of truth where you can. 
And uh, that was our best effort to do that from some of the audio and some of the comments from EVP of player personnel for your Dallas Cowboys, mm-hmm. Stephen Jones. Obviously, Mike McCarthy's not in uh, Indy for the combine, but of course, Stephen Jones is um, and uh, a contingent of Cowboys for, uh, you know, to be at the combine, to evaluate talent, to do meetings, to talk around the league, obviously all of those things. And so, yeah, that's that's what's happening this week, and we'll, we'll try and stay on top of the best we can as your home of the Cowboys 105.3 The Fan. It's the Get Right right here on 105.3 The Fan. Your Mavs have tied this thing up in Cleveland uh, early on in the third quarter, 62 apiece. Um, we'll keep you up to date with what's happening there. But coming up next, you know, we had someone yesterday ask us or talk about the idea of seeing a quadruple double again or in, in the NBA. Mm-hmm. It's been 30 years. Will we ever see that again? And is our nostalgia of defense in the NBA wrong? Let's talk about that next on The Fan. So get right right here on 105.3. The Fan, Reginald Datatuli here with you alongside the three-time Hall of Famer, Chris Arnold. Got you down. Uh, appreciate you rolling with us on a Tuesday evening in the Metroplex. Your Mavs active in Cleveland against the Cavs. They lead 70-67 to 67 with about seven minutes left in the third quarter. Luka Doncic, 29 points already in the course of this thing. Eight assists, uh, six rebounds, working his way towards what feels like a inevitable triple-double on this evening. And As Kyrie, Kyrie was 17-5-2. Yeah, having a having a solid night thus far. They're not getting any rebounds. Though. They aren't, uh, but of course that makes sense against a, a team like Cleveland Man. that is big, that is long, and that mm-hmm. seems to really pack the paint. And so we'll keep you up to date with what's happening there. We'll break it down once it's over as well. But I mentioned Luka Doncic getting to that triple-double, mm-hmm. or it looks like he's working towards it. Yesterday night we were talking a little bit about, mentioned Victor Wimbanyama over the weekend getting a mm-hmm. uh, five-by-five that he had picked up. He's the youngest player to do that. And we're, you know, in talking about those kind of statistical milestones that players can reach. Somebody texting in, I, can re- I forget who, so I apologize for not being able to shout you out in that way mentioned I, I just can't wait to see another quadruple double and that that made me think like we have only had do you know how many quadruple doubles we've had in the history of nba let nope. me ask it as a question 13 that's a lot more than it actually has four Woo. david robertson uh david robinson rather not the not the closer for your rangers but david robinson the admiral, the admiral. in 94 akima lodge one in 90 alvin robertson in 86 uh, a couple of spurs. and nate thurmond in 1974 Wow, <laughs> Nate Thurman. Right. Who so I thought he would have done that. You see that, right? Like that. That is a span of a good long time and yeah. four total quadruple doubles. And it's really rare because in order to do that, you kind of have to have like, like spe- ten block shots, uh, ten steals. It really is right. Like three of those: Thurman, Olajuwon, Robinson had blocks in addition to the typical points, rebounds, assists. Alvin Robertson had steals, the ten mm-hmm. steals in addition to kind of guard. the other stuff. The there other guys go. are big guys, exactly. And so you have to kind of be a specialist in one way, like capable of getting those blocks or steals, while also being like a generalist and. I do rebounds, I do assists, I do points, like having that way. Mm-hmm. And those it's not often that you have that level of balance. And even as we've seen since like probably 2010, a just complete spike in triple doubles, we haven't seen anyone like get to that quadruple double portion of this. So I think that that's, that's an interesting thing where like I wonder when we do get that, especially considering something that I, I know that Eric Chiafala mentioned this on the G-Bag Nation, but this is something that I was fascinated with uh, listening to today. Uh, it's a podcast called Pablo Torre Founds Out. Pablo Torre works with ESPN and also Metal Arc Media doing this podcast. And his podcast episode that was released today 
um, had, saw him um, and Tom Haberstroh, who also used to work mm-hmm. for ESPN, both of those guys, big analytics guys, you might call them nerds, whatever, Sloan Conference yeah, attendees and all those things. Absolutely. Very good at the analytics of this and the stats of this. And they, it was a pairing in, in particular because they were delving into stats. They, they talked to this guy who at one point was the Vancouver Grizzlies scorekeeper when they were an expansion team in Vancouver. And we found out that, you know, Nick Van Exel at one point had a 23-assist game. Except that was – those 23 assists were really ballooned up. And Ross is Ross there for me because uh, I need cut uh, 12 here. Is this when he was I a Laker? No, this oh, is when – he was in Denver. This is when he was with uh, – Memphis? Oh, let me see. Yeah, I think this was with the, when he was with the Grizzlies. Okay. Right? And so when he was with that team – we had, uh, you know, Alex Rucker, who, you know, big-time statics guy. He is actually the guy that's responsible for helping um, helping us use, like, camera tracking data to be able to figure out and, like, map where these guys are on the court, and that's how we've gotten even better with, you know, the statistics of these things. But mm-hmm. we found out that he, when he was, uh, you know, a, a scorekeeper, was allowed or was able to kind of juice the stats in a way to get it to where – you know, some things assists, particularly steals and blocks that could be mm-hmm. a little bit, uh, a little bit. Uh, I don't know what the right word okay, is, so but like you, you can kind of. It's kind of like subjective. It's kind. Is it subjective? It's kind of like referees allowing uh, traveling, but it's really continuation. You know what I'm saying? Is it's, it's kind of like okay, that wait a minute, that dude traveled. No, that was continuation. We wanted to err on the side of greatness. So yeah. that's what was happening. And so with that being the case. It was padding these stats to, in, on the side of greatness. Yeah, that, I think that this is interesting because we've seen those things happen. But, I mean, the idea of like blocks and steals, I mentioned, kind of subjective. Mm-hmm. Let me get cut five here. This is uh, the, the podcast talking about how, you know, these these books could be cooked a little bit when it comes to the stats. The Keith here is. This is the Vancouver Grizzlies, right? They're the new expansion team. They're in Canada. People don't know there's a team in Vancouver. Right. So how does a stack keeper market the team or have a role in marketing the team? Well, it's that. It's what if Sharif Abdurrahim has 10 boards instead of nine boards? Because 10 will get you on SportsCenter. So how do you do that? You cook the books. So that that's kind of the idea behind why you end up with these things, and I, the I did entertainment mention entertainment business, right? And that I mean, you have to remember, like this, these sports are that in a way. I also want to clean my my mistake up. Nick Van Exel, when he was with the Lakers, when they played against the Grizzlies, I was thinking my Lakers. apologies there. But you get there and you start looking at okay, if this happens, how frequently does this happen? How often can this happen? And why can this happen? And this will be cut three here. This is them talking about how. You know, you end up with these things being, you know, this Alex Rucker, he talks about the idea of, you know, assists being something that you can give out easy like candy. This is Tom Haberstroh taking this kind of to the defensive side of the ball. I think blocks were highly subjective. And Mm. the data bears out that when we go back to 1984, when blocks were first introduced into the box score, there is a 25% gap between the home block rate and the away block rate, mm. okay? What does that mean? That means for every three blocks, there's another fourth that are that's given to the home team. But like an extra freebie block for every three you get is literally like the difference between an all-defensive team nomination potentially. That's a huge gap between the two. But when you look at the numbers now, okay, uh, 
The number of blocks for the home team this year, 4,087, okay? The number of blocks for the away team is 4,026. So that's a gap of 61 blocks. It's basically equal. Right. You want to know what 84 was? The gap between home and away blocks? Please. 1,102. <laughs> Exponentially larger than the 61 block difference and of today. Crazy. And yeah, so like. How, how they pad these, just nobody's keeping up with it? It's It, it seems how like. How they say, well, wait, Lajuan, no, I'm just throwing out a name. Sure. Lajuan had seven blocks, but I only saw three. I think it's, it's. It's like within the realm of feasibility. Like there's sometimes where maybe a ball slightly gets touched or whatever, and maybe a reasonable or more reasonable person in an average in a vacuum goes, that's not necessarily a block. But if you're at if you're if it's at your discretion as the scorekeeper and you're at home, right? Maybe you go, eh, let's give him the block, right? Let's give him the stat. And what we what you know, Haberstraw was pointing out is that. You've seen that, especially as we have more scrutiny I just, over the game, more I video. Figured, I just figured out what where they can come up with a, a block. That was a pass, and he deflected it, and they that wasn't a shot, but he blocked it. Yeah, and look, there, these are the ways it's that crazy. it's happened. And apparently that's happened for a very Ooh. long time. As you can hear, like when teams are at home, they are significantly more likely, at least in the history of the game, to get blocks than when they're mm-hmm. away. And we've seen that significantly narrow to the point where the blocks that you call yeah. at home are about yeah. the same yeah. that you get called that a away. Shot. That was a pass. Right. And so we've seen that over time that's shifted. And I found this interesting because does this then say a little bit of something about defense now where we talk about, oh, man, back in the day where the defense was so tough. And especially if we utilize, we try and use our nostalgia and our memory, but then we go back and we look at the stats and we're like, man, look at all the blocks and steals that they had, especially when we – this is a time where we weren't using like advanced stats to help supplement it because we don't have great defensive stats. And if we look at these stats that we're also finding now were kind of inflated, we our nostalgia and our memory might not serve us as well as we think it will when we're looking at some of the times in periods in the league that we that we often look back at and we glamorize as the high points of defense in the league. I think people weren't looking at stats to say that's what mm-hmm. it was defensive. They were looking at the fact that the final score was 85 to 81. Right. Not uh, 125 to 120. Sure. And again, a lot of people weren't shooting the three as, as much as that because they didn't know about spreading the floor and they didn't have big guys that were thin and could spread the floor. So I, it's not even much, much as the stats, I don't think. It's the fact that it was a lot more physical because you had big guys and the score was low. And I think also th- the rules allowed it, right? We but had look, hand yeah, checks. Yeah, I'm not and, saying the rules sure. didn't. I'm yeah. just saying that's what people kind of remember. And say, oh, mm-hmm. it's so physical. And then you see the highlights on YouTube and like, man, Dr. J and Larry Bird had a fight. Wow, I can't believe they fought that's each right. other. And Charles boy, Barkley and Shaq had a fight. And they're fun to watch. Oh, yeah. Just, it's, you just know fun. And so you, you see the bump and grind, how physical. Uh, again, I don't think those guys were as tremendous. Back in those days, I don't think you had as many athletic people. In the NBA, as you do now. You I mean, that's some big guys. Yeah, and it's, it's absolutely worth acknowledging the ways in which the athleticism has gone up, the ways in which the efficiency obviously has gone up, and mm-hmm. we stand currently on the shoulders of those giants back then. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm going to get a little spicy here okay. as well hmm. because obviously I'm, 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 I'm in a way I'm knocking down the nostalgia, right? As mm-hmm. Again, thanks to Pablo Torre finds out as a podcast. And we talked about the history, but we haven't talked about people in particular. In this cut, we talk about people in particular. So I had this moment of like, I mean, I had 
Jordan posters in my room, right? And I'm like, wait, the the 88 Depoy can't be a lie. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> when I pulled up basketball reference, this is what I saw in his stat line. Home and away splits. 165 steals at home, 94 steals away. Mm. 84 blocks on at home, 47 blocks, about half away. And that's pretty bad. 80%. When it comes to like how obvious that gap is. So even Michael Jordan benefited from these uh these accounting situations. Of course, you expect the stars to benefit in that way. They're stars. But yeah, it, it just it just also makes it very interesting to go back and again, like I was mentioning, we've got to be real careful about the ways that we look back, especially just with stats. The stats now are different for various reasons, but then also stats then were different. And they it's were, worth and, accounted and I, for. And yeah. I totally agree with that, but I also say stat nerds would like to debate that, right? Sure. I think most people just look at the way Michael Jordan played. Look at the way LeBron plays. And you can just see two different styles. For and sure. And then the casuals say, Mike's got six rings, and LeBron only got right. four. And I didn't want to make it about like that particular like you know conversation because again, yeah. But I just think that also like sometimes when we talk about the ways in which oh man they don't play but defense you know what it in the reminds league, me of? I think there's also worth it's worth considering the ways in which our memories, whether it's written memory like this, these mm-hmm. these accounting and scorekeeping, and also like our our you know I guess memory in our heads don't don't always add up the ways that we think they do yeah unless you're leaning towards stats and so this is what i'm gonna give Mm -hmm. you i'm gonna give you a current example because i think you brought this up the other day and you basically proved the point uh aware people who just look at stats don't know what they're talking about when those people who say that Dak prescott had a hell of a good game against the green bay packers they did not realize the second half the Green Bay Packers were not even trying on defense. You follow them going? Dak got just those stats. Well, Dak's stats weren't that bad. The whole team sucked. The defense sucked. The offense sucked. Dak sucked. Coaches sucked. Special teams sucked. They all sucked. But no, no, Dak's stats say he didn't really suck. If you go by the stats alone, you're going to say he didn't have a bad game. But you know he did. He didn't play well in the first quarter, and he couldn't lift them. But you have to watch the game to know that. People who just look at the stats and analytics, like I said, you could argue, well, the stats nowadays are more accurate. The stats back then weren't as accurate. Well, guess what? Look how they play. Yeah. Watch the game and and do some do some uh eyeball tests. As a re- reminder, the context is always context always is always the number necessary. one thing. It's exactly. always necessary no more than what we're talking context. about. But yeah, I just, I just found that to be interesting. It was a fantastic uh listen of a podcast Pablo Torre finds out. Uh, with but Tom Hastro, it it was it was a very fascinating thing. And yeah, open. swag swaggy booties mentions this on the Twitch chat. Uh, there's video of a lot of these things. How was that not called called out? And I mean, uh, in order for that video to be worthwhile, we have to you have to have a willingness to go and account for it. And as was talked about in one of the clips that we ultimately didn't play, uh, Alex Rucker, who was the scorekeeper that we're talking about with that Grizzly situation. Grizzlies. Uh, he talked about how this was somewhat encouraged for um, yeah for these teams. Uh, you you heard this in one of the cuts that we played earlier is that Vancouver was an expansion team. How do you maybe generate a little bit more buzz. interest and buzz? Because they didn't have social media back then, so you had to make it stand out for the newspaper. Yeah, get get them get them on Sports Center. How? Well, this team had a player that had twenty uh, ten 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 assists and yeah. there was a triple double. I said I said a little earlier. It, you just think like right now, right now. They err on the side of greatness, and they will. Some guy will travel like a mofo 
oh no, that was continuation because it ended in a spectacular dunk. And I'm like, that was walking. Yeah. He was traveling. Yeah. No, that was continuation. There, we're airing on the side of greatness, sir. <laughs> So that's what they would do in these stats. That's right. That's right. And so I, I just found it to be fascinating. And I, I wondered if that tied into one, if we'll ever see a quadruple double again, especially as we see some of those that's stats the, kind of yeah. kind of tighten up. Although Victor Wimbanyama, I was talking about the He's people probably the only one. The people that have that profile of mm-hmm. I am a specialist that can do this one thing really well, like block or steal, but then also generally good enough to do the points and the assists and all those things. Victor Wimbanyama feels like he's going to be able to do that, especially as he's getting these five by oh, fives. Yeah. And he, he could pass the ball. So he in limited minutes, too. That's limited. what you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. It's the get right right here on 105.3 The Fan. Thanks for hanging out with us on this Tuesday evening in the Metroplex. Uh, your Mavs currently right neck and neck with the Cleveland Cavaliers in Cleveland. 83-82 is the score in favor of Cleveland right now as they're about to end the third quarter. Coming up next, let's go around the NFL here on the get right where uh, apparently the Panthers have the all-damn-dacity to raise ticket prices. We'll talk about it next. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Get right right here on 105.3. The fan, Reginald Latatula, here with you alongside the three-time Hall of Famer, Chris Arnold. Got you down. We got Ross Lebensky on the ones and twos. Thank you, and thank you guys rolling with us on a Tuesday evening in the Metroplex. Uh, Mavs currently in action with the Cavs, 91-86 in favor of the Cavs right now. Um, Like I said, we'll keep you up to date with what's happening there. About nine minutes left. That's right. That's right. Uh, But right now, let's go around the NFL here on the Get Right on 105.3 The Fan. I started with this tease, and you know what? I'll just go ahead and start there because I was was floored by the all-damn-dacity, the absolute temerity, the unmitigated goal. I knew that was next. That's right. <laughs> it's always fun to go there. Yes. Uh, of David Tepper and the Carolina Panthers. Now, Chris Arnold, what record do you recall the Panthers having in the 2023 NFL season? I don't even recall because it's so bad. Do you know how many wins that they got? Maybe five. Not even. Ross? I guess three. Not even. Two and 15 Two. Was, the, was the record of the Carolina Panthers. Oh, my. They ranked 20th in total home attendance last season. 
And David Tepper took those, and I imagine other data points, but those ones are probably the big ones, and said, you know what we need to do? We need to raise ticket prices by 4%. (laughs) That's what we need to do. Even though you got part of that streaming rights deal from the NFL and they chopped it up 32 ways. In in other words, you're not broke. You're not underground. You're not upside down. Yeah, so overall ticket prices will be more than 4% higher than last year for the Carolina Panthers at Bank of America Stadium. And the lower level season tickets are jumping an average of 7%. And so I'm just amazed that you did not have you didn't have a top third of the league attendance last season, which obviously I imagine some of that is the record that you had. And you come into the next season without having done anything yet to build that hope and say, we think we could charge more. Just just a very bold ownership strategy by David Tepper over the lifespan. It it, it becomes more and more apparent as we go along. When he bought the team, he's fired two coaches in two seasons. In the middle of the seasons. And guess what? It's not like your quarterback has done anything great to make you say, you know what? I think he's going to be good down the road. I'm going to invest in him. Don't get me wrong. I don't dislike him, Bryce Young, but I just don't think he's going to do anything. Yeah, I think uh, Dave, uh, Dan, or is it Dave Canales? I believe it was Dave Canales who is the uh, new head coach of the the Carolina Panthers. I want to call him Dan Canales because there's a whole bunch of Dans out here. Dan Quinn, Dan Campbell, all these Mm -hmm. folks. But Dave Canales, who is the new head coach, uh, previously was the offensive coordinator at the Buccaneers, earlier today at the Combine, said that, you know, they don't need him to do anything different necessarily. They said, quote, no, no, he said no big fix is necessary. His plan is to elevate the roster around Young and then also just have Bryce Young just do his part. Best of luck to that man, because I don't know that there's a lot of people that believe as of yet, of what we saw in uh, Q1 from the 650, they said, bro, 4%, you're really making a deal out of this. This happens in every industry every year. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. However, when it comes down to like not having the fan base support in the way that it seems like they did not, um, at the very least, I don't know that raising the ticket prices is the way to necessarily continue to engender support. Um, especially when with an organization that's not seems to handle like themselves it's going backwards. Well. It seems right. like they're going backwards. It'd be different if it seemed like you had a young squad that the sky's the limit. They might be like if the Houston Texans were to raise their ticket prices, I don't think everybody would be complaining. There might be a few, but there everybody would say, Hey, I understand. They going places. They're young. Not this squad. Not this franchise. Not that organization. Uh, as we continue around the NFL. And especially in that league where they're making insane money, printing money. You don't lose money as an owner of the NFL. No, they, they, they print don't. money when it comes to the TV and all these things. But regardless, I'm not the owner of that team. We'll see how that pans out for them. I, I can't say that it'll be necessarily terrible because it feels like it's impossible to fail when it comes to being in the National Football League. But we continue around the NFL where I guess it's not impossible to fail in this regard. So the Philadelphia Inquirer put out an interesting piece where they say that two veteran players said that Nick Sirianni and his staff played favorites. Uh, when it came down to it, they got to the point where uh, it's they, they said that uh, as the team kind of staggered to its, uh, you know, it's lowly finished. They were finished one and six in the last seven. Sirianni and assistants targeted some second-tier players or recent additions, but Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, some of the team's legacy stars, they didn't they didn't really mention what they did wrong or they excused it away. And so they went further, further to say, I will say it doesn't help when, you, when they treat guys two different ways, one of the veterans said. Do you see an issue with this? Because I know that, like, there's an understanding tacitly with teams that there are some folks that are, you know, clearly 
these these are the stars, these are the guys, and you know that that is what it is. Do you see an issue with the idea that maybe just maybe they were treating some folks different? No, there's no problem with that. Jimmy Johnson, you said a long time ago. Yeah, I treat every player on this team differently because some of y'all are good and some of y'all not as good. And the ones who are great, they earned that. He doesn't ever. I, I thought Jimmy was pure greatness when he said that. It's like he's just keeping it real. Coaches do not. It's not about playing favorites. It's about, guess what? You earn the right to be treated like a damn man. You are childish. So guess what? I'm going to treat you that way. You need an alarm clock. You don't. I'm going to treat you that way. Keep it real. That's called somebody who thought they were 10 and 1 going to the Super Bowl again and it didn't work out. That's called malcontents complaining. What's my fault if coach is playing favorites? Okay. Because uh, I also know that there's some people that will then try and like really lean on the idea of the stories of, let's say, Greg Popovich with the with the Spurs, where he would come down hardest on Tim Duncan because he knew that the other That's guys what Belichick they saw that. did with Brady. And then, of course, Bill Belichick talking about Tom Brady and really being hard on him so that everybody else understood that you can get it if he can get it. And so I know that that ends up being something that we talk about, so I wanted it's to get your It's different styles and different techniques, but also the coach also realizes that particular player can handle it. But guess what? Tom Brady got tired of it and took his butt to Tampa Bay. <laughs> okay. So I guess but there's maybe not a specific way of going about it, but, I mean, when you lose, everything that you did is bad, exactly. and when you win, everything you did was uh-huh. good. Uh, as we continue around the NFL, let me see if you agree with this. Uh, Andrew Barry, the general manager of the Cleveland Browns, uh, has a proposal that he wants the NFL to consider. He wants the idea of maybe the league moving their trade deadline back two weeks to after week 10 as opposed to after week 8. He explained this. He said, quote, we think as uh, the idea of trying to help give more teams to consider their standing heading to the playoff race, right? And so you get into that place where, you know, you have teams, have more mm-hmm. ideas of what their team is before you can't make trades I don't anymore. Dis- I don't dislike that. It's just, you know, and I, I see the logic behind it, but is it that important? I don't know. I don't know that it's super important, but I think also I think you get to a better place where you have an opportunity should injuries arise, which, of course, you're playing the sport where these things seem to stack up um, to have a deadline that is feel that's not even halfway through the season. um, It feels like you're not giving yourself an opportunity to maybe address those things. Um, But I know that the league also does not want uh, you to have like player dumping late in the season where teams are just kind of letting good players go to good teams in that way just because. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I thought that that could be an interesting idea. Of, it is a very interesting idea, but there yeah. are some teams that, you know, they they might need to address their needs and, you know, like they might need a cow, uh, they might need a linebacker, <coughs> Cowboys, and won't do a thing. <laughs> no matter I, when the trade deadline is. I had a feeling that you would bring that up. Uh-huh. Um, and before we go Not here. Fortifying that roster when you knew you needed a linebacker. Yeah. LVE out. Yeah. Didn't do nothing. Before we go here on Around the NFL, I just wanted to clarify, as it is combine week, some of the players that we know aren't going to participate, Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels, those uh, quarterbacks are not going to throw. I believe also we found out that uh, today that um, our guy out of UNC, Drake, not Drake May. Is it Drake May? Okay, cool. Yeah. I was like, am I thinking of a no, wrong no, no. name? Drake May, Drake May went to uh, North Carolina. Yeah, I said UNC. Oh, I thought you saw. I thought you said USC. No, no, UNC, North Carolina. Drake May 
Um, yeah, he also won't throw as well. But then also, uh, MHJ, number 18 out of Ohio State, the wide receiver. Yeah, that's that's as comfortable as I feel. Yeah, he also would. won't work out this week. So, yeah, no, there, there's some of the big names we're not going to see in the combine, at least when it comes to the quarterbacks. They changed their name from Who's, the government name to, what's your name? I'm straight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. Don't worry about yeah, me. I'm, I'm good. good. I'm uh, but still, I think that there's there's many interesting things to talk about in the combine. We'll talk about that a little bit more uh, later in the program as well, I believe, at 9 o'clock. Some of the biggest questions for the combine this week. But there you go. That's around the NFL for the get right, right here on 105.3 The Fan. Right now, your Mavs lead by seven points in Cleveland with about five and a half minutes Ooh. left in this contest. They got to 100 first. They did indeed. Let's see if that ultimately spells a W for your Mavs as this one continues. Coming up next, though, we'll give you a little Rangers spring training update and some general baseball talk as well. We'll do all of that next on The Fan. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 